0: that was the light bulb moment. It was, wow, I'm surrounded by people who will pay us $3,000 and that is more profitable. And we had just let our employees go. And Steve and I said, let's go all in. I'm not kidding when I say like overnight, we completely changed our website. And I called back, I had a bunch of outstanding proposals and I actually just called them all up. And I said, hey, you know, that big project that you're still thinking on, consider that moot We are no longer doing that, but I can do basically the same project for you for three thousand, or if it's it was bigger, I said two days of five thousand, and I closed all of those on the spot, and that was the beginning of it. Hello, hello, welcome
1: to Soloist Women, where we're all about turning your expertise into wealth. And impact. I'm Rochelle Moulton, and today I'm here with Pia Silva, whose work I've been following for a few years, much admired. Pia is the founder of No BS Agency Mastery, where she teaches one to two person branding agencies to scale to 30K months without employees. And we love that here. She's also a TEDx speaker, a Forbes contributor, podcast host, and the author of Badass Your Brand. Pia, welcome. Thank you so much, Rochelle. So happy to be here. Awesome. Well, one of the reasons that I'm excited to talk to you is that you've made productized services work so well in a niche that's littered with people working lots of stressful hours and frankly, not pulling in nearly as much as they could in revenue. So let's start with what made you decide to first start your business, which if I understand correctly, was initially a brand agency
0: that you founded with your husband. Is that right? Yes. I don't even think I would call it starting a business. He was my fiance then and he was a freelance graphic designer. And I was in the gig economy before we called it that. And at some point it just became clear, hey, you're really talented at this thing, maybe not as talented at finding the clients, managing the clients, invoicing, (laughs) all of that stuff. And while I have absolutely no experience in the design world, you know, I'm a fast learner. I can figure this out. And I I think I could do it better than you. No offense, because you're an artist and you should just do what you do best and let me figure this out. And that's actually how it started.
1: Oh, I love that. I love that. So let's talk revenue. So if you can think back to like your first couple of years, one of the things we love to ask people is how long did it take you to hit your
0: first hundred thousand dollars? Do you remember Absolutely, because we did it our first year. Yay. Um We did. But you have to remember, we are two people who were working not just full-time, probably seven days a week, living in the middle of New York City in one of the most expensive neighborhoods. So eking out 100 I don't know if we could have survived making less, Yeah. <laughs> frankly.
1: Yeah. New York is yeah. a challenge. So how painful was it then? I mean, does, do you
0: remember that as being sort of a painful process to get that thing going? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I had, like I said before, I had no context or idea what I was doing. So the first month and a half, it was just Craigslist. It was literally just me refreshing Craigslist and applying to every gig I could find. Uh. Uh, one of the gigs I found, the woman that we did this job for invited me to her BNI group. I did not know this idea of networking even existed. She was like, "Oh, you should come to this thing I do." And I joined. I was like, "This is the answer." And then I just networked my face off for uh, about a year and a half. And I when I tell you, like I went all in on this. It was <laughs> every day, all day meetings, events. I joined other groups too and I built a network very quickly. So, you know, just between that, I mean, We were charging by the hour at that point. When we first started, we were charging $30 an hour. We charged her. I remember. I mean, I love numbers, so I remember every number. We charged her $40 an hour, and she convinced us that we needed to start charging $65 an hour, and we probably (laughs) charged that for a while. It's
1: funny how hard it is psychologically sometimes to just make that shift when you're in hourly or even a a flat price and making it higher. It's just some kind of resistance
0: around that, right? Rochelle, I remember when I told my dad, who's an accountant, that we were making $65 an hour, and I was so proud. I was like, we're going to be rich. (laughs) He was like, that's not a lot of money, Pia. $200 an hour, maybe. (laughs) It's like, $200 an hour? Like, that will never happen. (laughs) Pretty amazing. It
1: is. I love the journey. So I remember either seeing or hearing about how the light bulb went off in your agency business that started you down the path of, of the productized service you've created the no BS agency idea and model. I mean, can you tell us the story like how did you get to that place?
0: Yeah, so it was a it was two moments. The first moment was in 2013 with a business coach and I was pushing to get these clients. I had assessed our process and how much our overhead was, and figured out that these projects we were doing, I needed to be charging about $30,000 for us to eke out a living, honestly, because we had two employees at the time. And I was, I had this big network, like people seemed to like me and trust me, but I could not get these to close. And so they were few and far between. And I said to this business coach, you know, I'm talking to all these people who want to work with us but they just don't have the budget at all. And he said, well, what budget do they have? And I was like, I don't know, $3,000. And he said, well, what could you do for $3,000? And I said, I mean, we could actually do a lot of stuff in a day. If they would just pay us for the day, I think Steve and I could act. Steve's, like we could build a web. This was right at the beginning of Squarespace and we were using it. We could probably build like a, a homepage and maybe an interior page and an, a logo and a business card. And I could kind of consult on the branding. So we had this as a secret offer. I didn't want anyone to know about it because I wanted to sell the big thing. And we (sighs) sold that out of my back pocket for a year sporadically. It didn't sell that well at the time. We weren't really all in on it. A year later, we find ourselves in $40,000 of debt, which at the time was us completely maxed out, freaking out, had to let our employees go. And that's when we kind of looked at this thing, this brand up. We called it a brand up, this secret Uh brand up. And we said, you know what? $3,000 for this one day is so much more profitable than even the $30,000 projects that we are closing sporadically. If I tally up all the energy and time that we spend doing that $30,000 project, it takes way more than 10 full days of our time execute and if i just do the math one day at 3000 is more <laughs> profitable than probably 20 plus days for the $30,000 project and that was the light bulb moment it was wow i'm surrounded by people who will pay us $3000 and that is more profitable and we had just let our employees go, and Steve and I said, let's go all in. I'm not kidding when I say like overnight. We completely changed our website, and I called back. I had a bunch of outstanding proposals, and I actually just called them all up, and I said, hey, you know that big project that you're still thinking on? Consider that moot. We are no longer doing that, but I can do basically the same project for you for 3000 or if it's, it was bigger, I said two days, of 5000 And I closed all of those on the spot, and that was the beginning of it. Mic drop. Mm-hmm. Mic drop. But
1: so I want to pull out a couple of things you said here. I mean, the first thing is sort of the difference between revenue and profit, mm-hmm. right? Because it's easy to like the thirty thousand feels like the big shiny thing that we should want to have. And I love that the three thousand dollar thing was secret mm-hmm. <laughs> until you, <laughs> until you figure that out. It's and I I hate to say it, but it's almost like you had to have that that pile of debt and the pressure of of employees and having to let them go to be able to see. You know what was right there.
0: A hundred percent. Yes, yeah. I, I would have just kept going because I had a, an unrealistic vision of what this was supposed to look like, and I didn't connect the fact that those thirty thousand dollars projects were actually unprofitable. I just didn't get it until I was forced into a corner.
1: Yeah. Well, why would you? Right. I mean, you did what humans do. We look and go. Well, thirty thousand is better than three thousand. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, every dollar is not equal. Nope. (laughs) Right. So when you think about like the traditional agency model, especially with, I think of graphic design where you're dealing with websites and and timelines and strict budgets. I mean, what challenges do you see people like graphic designers and brand strategists facing when they organize that way in more of an agency traditional, either hourly rate or fee for service way?
0: How much time do we have, Rochelle? <laughs> Are we gonna go through. It's it's every step of the process. I see a problem in now starting from the very beginning. My experience of all of those pitches, it was a very defense place to come from. It was you, the prospect, have all the cards, you have all the power, and I'm here tap dancing and trying to convince you that I'm worthy <laughs> of mm-hmm. you. I'm putting so much time and energy into talking to you and meeting with you and making decks and proposals and following up and all of this. And you just get to say yes or no, or nothing at all. (laughs) I mean, you get ghosted, right? Mm -hmm. Even when we did close on those, I mean, I, I was starting to use some of the strategies I use now to build the authority within the relationship. But I do think the free pitch starts the relationship off on the wrong foot. You've just done a ton of free work. And so it's an unequal relationship. Whereas now where we teach to actually pay for that first step, there's immediate respect and value of your time and your expertise. So that would be the first part. And then I think probably overall, there is this thing that I've noticed happens with creative projects that are stretched out over many months where there's a lot of excitement and momentum in the beginning from both sides. And then it kind of dwindles and it kind of gets exhausting and The client has different ideas that pop up or somebody says something, and and there's lots of wrenches being thrown in because (laughs) it's happening over time, and that makes it take even longer. And by the end, everyone just wants it to finish, and there's punch lists, and all of these things are what make it exhausting. It loses the fun and excitement of it because your creative work is getting often watered down by that Mm -hmm. process, right? Either by the client or by the committee or by the client's friends and family. But whatever it is, the thing that you're doing this for, it doesn't usually look exactly like that at the end. And sometimes it looks quite different. And it's really upsetting when you do a project and you are so excited about it and you put all this energy into it and then it gets watered down by committee. And then the thing that goes out in the end, you're not even that excited to show on your website. So those are just a couple off the top of my head.
1: Well, I'm struck by the length of the project. I mean, I think that's. I mean, we all know, right? The the longer a project goes on, unless you're doing certain kinds of change work, the longer a creative project goes on, the more voices will get in the mix. What is that? The uh, camel is a horse designed by a committee. Uh, I've never heard that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's once you get the committee in there, it does not look like the horse you had intended from the beginning. That's funny. So obviously, you have a solution to all this, Pia, but I'd like you to have you talk about how you advise these folks to get off that hamster wheel of you know attracting serving clients on projects that stretch out over, over months versus days.
0: Um, well, I think there's a lot of mindset shifts that have to happen in order to shrink a project. And, and the way we position it is we shrink multi-month, three, six, 12-month projects down to a couple of day intensives. So right now, our company, most of our clients would be a two-day intensive for Mm -hmm. $40,000. And a lot of people think the mindset is, well, I'm paying more for less right? I, I actually heard mm-hmm. that yesterday. Someone said, but, but why would they pay more for less? And I said, they're not getting less, they're getting more. <laughs> what they're getting is six months of their life back. What they're getting is actually the version of the work that they need, not the version of the work that they watered down. What they're getting is the ability to get that brand out there to sell at a higher price point, to position them as an expert, to show their authority six months earlier. I mean, the longer it takes to do this kind of work, there's such an opportunity cost in not doing that. And, you know, they're getting their mental space back. I've hired a lot of service providers over the years too. And when it goes on forever, it's this thing that just takes up real estate in your brain, wondering how it's going. I have to get on more meetings. You know, oh, now I got to give feedback. It it takes away from running your business. So I think the one of the biggest mindset shifts is shrinking it down does not mean delivering less value. In fact, it can mean and it should mean delivering more value. And just to be super clear, when I say $40,000 for a two-day intensive, we are not doing the work in those two days. We are doing the work beforehand, completely, actually. The two days is the time where we present it to the client. We take them through a process of, getting feedback and making revisions in real time such that at the end of the two days it's launched. But we have as much time as we need to do the best job possible, and that is always the goal. A couple things strike me there. One is, the
1: word that comes to mind is speed, right? Clients do pay for speed, and what you're doing is, as you said, they get six months of their life back. And I would absolutely use that in my marketing if I were doing that. And I think then the other piece is that this $40,000, this is what you used to do for three to 5000 correct?
0: Technically, but I would say the projects definitely got bigger. But the value also got higher because we got more strategic, right? So we're better at it. I have more authority. So there's a lot of trust there. And I find that in creative work, you know, it's not just doing good work. There's a lot of people out there who do amazing work. There are students out there where if you look at their portfolio, it's beautiful. It's really not about the craft anymore. To me, it's an assumption. I assume that your work is good. What we need to layer on top in order to get this Higher price point and this higher value is your own confidence in the work and how it relates to the goals of the client, and being able to communicate that in a process that is so seamless that the client can relax into it, completely trust what you're saying, and say yes. Because the whole intensive process is really reliant on the client trusting you implicitly and feeling really good about saying yes to the work. And I think also a lot of this, the stuff I was talking about earlier where you kind of start in a defensive position or creatives get in this position all the time where it's like whatever the client wants, oh, you want me to change it? Oh, you want to see this? You want to see that? All of a sudden the client is running the show and the client doesn't trust you because if the client says, can I see it in blue? Can I see it bigger? Can I see it this? And you just keep going and going and going in their mind they're thinking well have i exhausted all my options yet right like maybe there's another version i need to see and that to me is a representation of not believing that the person doing the work actually knows what's best and so we have to flip that relationship in order for the intensive to work and i tell people in the sales process if they ever question the you know the short The short time, and oh well. What if I don't have time to think about it and all of this? I say, listen. People hire me because they want me to tell them what this is going to look like, what this should look like to get them to their goals, right? I'm not here to be the hands to create the thing that you're imagining in your head. I'm here to hear what you want this to do, and I'll make that thing, and it'll be freaking awesome. (laughs) And that either repels them, or they're like, yes, thank you. That's what I need. I don't know what this should look like, and those are the clients that I want. Yes.
1: What struck me about that too is when I think about, let's say Fortune 500 companies, I can't picture them saying yes to this only because there's so many voices that want to get heard and they love to carry things out over months and months and months. But if there were some, wouldn't that be awesome? Somebody could say, oh, this would be amazing. I can just bring, you know, the people from these three units, like three other people into a room for two days plus whatever prep you have to do and we're done. I mean, it goes back to really knowing who your audience is and knowing the outcomes that you produce, the transformational outcomes and the value to your audience.
0: Yes, that's so well said. And I would say in this particular space, so if you're doing like we're, we deliver entire brands, right? The website, the collateral, the brand, the messaging copy, all of it. That particular set of deliverables would be almost impossible to do in a corporate setting because there are so many people that need to sign off on it. However, I've been advising people on this concept for years, even before I focused on the small agencies. And you can still apply the concept to all sorts of consulting. And I've had a lot of students do that very effectively. So it could just be, and we have heard this, going in and doing the brand strategy workshop where at the end of two days you have clarity of your mission and your, and your messaging and all of that. Or coming in with any sort of consulting, the intensive model will just get you there faster. And as long as all of the decision makers are in the room, I don't think it should matter if it's corporate. It just, but the deliverables would be different, obviously. And I think a lot of us. I mean, we want to do things
1: fast. We don't want. And I'm talking about the practitioner. We do not want this to go on forever and ever and ever. It did, mostly, it doesn't. It doesn't serve us either. Th- those of us who are who are doing these services. I mean, I think of projects that I used to do when I was doing brand strategy, and I could tell when a client was going to drag it out, and I didn't want to work with those people. Because right. I could feel it was just going to take months because they couldn't make a decision. And I don't work well with hand ringers. And I know that about myself. So it's, it's yeah, I, I think there's more of us that want things to get done quickly than not. I completely agree. And
0: I also think that there's a desire to work with people who are able to make those decisions. And it's on us as the practitioners to create an environment where making those decisions feels comfortable. So it's yes. two it's two things. You have to find the right person and you have to deliver that safety for them. I always think of it because I I'm uh, have a young child and I read a lot of parenting books. And there's a lot of similarities (laughs) (laughs) between parenting children and um, working with clients. And I don't mean that any disrespect, but it's the same kind of thing. You have to give the person guardrails so they can relax into it. There have to be boundaries. If you don't give boundaries, then they're going to go all over the place and they're going to feel very unsafe. And when you're unsafe, it's very hard to make clear decisions that you feel good about.
1: Yeah. And it, it reverts the practitioner into being essentially an order taker. Yes. Oh, you want this. So oh, you want that. It's very, very different. But I didn't want to lose sight of of this idea that you started out with this idea of three thousand or five thousand for two days, and now when you do it, it's at forty thousand. Can you just talk a little bit about like how did you have the confidence at various stages to go, oh, this is worth more than five thousand dollars now? What should we price it at? Like, how did you get from three or five up to forty or maybe more?
0: Yeah. Well, I didn't realize that I could increase the price for at least 6 months. <laughs> so that's the first <laughs> thing. Um I just left it at those prices. It was going so well and we were doing so many of them. I was just and I had been, you know, I had PTSD from being in debt. So I was so happy to have cash in the bank and not be in debt. Yeah. I just took everything, right? But about 6 months later, we went on our first real vacation in such a long time. We went to Maui for 3 weeks over Christmas and we uh read a lot of books and one of the books that I read was Rich Dad Poor Dad. Have you ever read Rich yes. Dad Poor Dad? I yeah, love I it. Rit- yeah, it's like one of my one of my cornerstone books um just because it it made the light bulb go off about a lot of things, a lot of uh, you know, income producing assets, but one of the things for some reason that it it made me realize was that I needed to figure out how much money we needed to make and then i needed to figure out how much i needed to charge for these to make that money and that i wanted to have more time available to build my business and my authority and i wasn't going to have that time if i didn't actually intentionally put it in my calendar so that was in december and i i calculated it i said if we bring in $20,000 a month then we and we do that we do two brand ups. They're each $10,000. We do those in two weeks. We will have two weeks a month to work on other stuff and not have to hustle all the time. And so I then began the process of just increasing the price. I basically just, I, I advise my students to do this too, sell and raise, sell, sell, raise. I mean, it. Mm-hmm. I had to build up my confidence in my own price. So I think it was worth that. A lot earlier, but it, it's only worth it if someone will pay for it. And someone, it's going to be hard to charge something that you don't feel confident in. But I had charged, I had been paid the five thousand for two days for so for six months, many many times. So when it was six thousand dollars, that you know, that wasn't that scared of that. So then I made it seven thousand, and then I made it <laughs> seventy five, and and within six months it was ten, and it and I just kept doing that. I literally yeah. just kept doing that the whole way. At, at a certain point, I raised it five thousand at a time. I think when I, I think I published my book, and like the next day, I just added five thousand <laughs> to the page because um, you're an yeah, authority now, exactly. And I, and I would do it sometimes on a whim because I have access to our website. I would just change the price. And I remember one person hired us once because he goes, every time I look at your website, your price is higher. If I don't hire you now, I'm not going to be able to afford you. <laughs> I said, good, you should pay me right now, and he did. Oh my goodness.
1: I love that. I love that. So did that keep working that way where you had like kind of two weeks on, two weeks off, were you able to build that in and are you still doing it that way? Or I know you're also teaching, so you've got these two
0: streams of revenue. So how do you, how do you make it work? Yeah. So, um, what I got to, so as you raise your price or this was my experience, at least as I raised my price, we had fewer clients and that was, by design, right? <laughs> so yeah. we weren't necessarily looking to ever make more money than we planned. I teach this whole thing called the freedom calculator. It was always about, well, how much does our lifestyle cost? How much does our business cost? How much would our taxes be? And then I just work my way backwards from that number to figure out how much we need to generate in revenue. And so as we raised our prices like let's say, you know, we got to 20,000, 25,000, then I was just trying to get you know 12 clients a year and sometimes we would do 3 in a row and then we would go away for a month or two or we would just work on other things i mean that's how i wrote my book i took off 3 months to write my book and what i did was i just would schedule the clients later so there was one time in particular this was actually very soon after that when when we were charging about 10 uh 15, each i booked 5 in a row No, we must have been charging twenty. Okay, I booked five in a row. It was a hustle. I'm not going to lie. We did five (laughs) in a row over five weeks. We made $100,000. And then we went to Europe for two months. And we came home and didn't work for another month. And the whole time we were there, I was just booking clients into like after those three months. And I didn't even tell them we were away. I just said, that's our next opening, which, you know, made it look even Sexier. Like, I don't have an availability until (laughs) September. So, and they booked so that I knew I was on vacation and I knew I was coming back to that work. But I will tell you, it took, it wasn't overnight. It took a lot of discipline to do that because you have to get rid of that initial scarcity mindset of, oh, well, a client needs it and they want it right now, so maybe I should just take it. What if another one doesn't come? Mm -hmm. So it was a process, and there were definitely times early on where we would block out the weeks because my husband's an artist, and we were looking for time for him to paint too. And we would Mm -hmm. block out the weeks, and then somebody would tell us that they wanted one, and they're in a rush, and I would be like, Come on, Steve. Like, what are we gonna say no to this? And sometimes we would say yes and sometimes we would say no. And it was tough for me because I was like, well, we can push things around, right? So it it was a process. Yeah. Well, I I'm really intrigued
1: by the freedom calculator because what that sounds like to me is it circles around this concept of enough that I've been thinking about and talking about for years, which is like what's kind of like what's your number? Like what's enough? And it's not a number that keeps increasing right? It's you figure out what enough is. And that's what it sounds like this is, like what you need to have freedom in your design of freedom, your definition of freedom.
0: Yes, exactly. So what I do to kind of standardize it for people is I have this formula I wrote about in my book called the 50-25-25 rule. And it kind of came from that story about $20,000 a month, two weeks. Okay. And then I'll have a week for my to work on the business and I'll have a free week and I can work mm-hmm. on the business you know I can yeah. write a book or something during that or I can do nothing but that way I have that flexibility and so that's where the this idea of 50 25 25 50% of your time you need to make all the revenue you need working with clients 50% of your time so if you can calculate exactly how much revenue you need so you cover taxes so you cover your lifestyle and your business and then you calculate 50% of your time and you figure out how long your projects generally take. I know that's a sticky point. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. But if you generally have an idea of how long projects can take, it's easier in the intensive model by the way because you know, I think in days, not over time sp- yeah. spread out. So that's also why it made this whole thing easier. But if you have those couple of numbers, the answer is simple. Like this is this is how much you need to charge and you need to get that many clients. Okay, so I just need, like I said, 12 clients at $20,000 each. At that point, it was even less than 50% of my time. And you know, I always encourage people to have a good, better, best number. So what's the good number? That's just everything's fine, right? And I mm-hmm. always want to know that number because well, you know, we all have money mindset issues. <laughs> like, If you're freaking out, you want to know, wait, am I covered? Okay, we're covered. And then better is, okay, we're covered, but we're living the life that we want. And then best is the stretch. And I find that it really has more to do with, can you command the certain price points at those three levels and still get the number of clients that you need? And at that point, you can make the decision as I continue to increase my prices, do I keep working with the same number of clients or do I work with fewer because I value time and freedom? And so mm-hmm. that's how I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid in extra time. And actually there's a part in the freedom calculator that's called profit in hours. So it calculates automatically how much time you've generated because of how profitable you are above and beyond the, f- the 50% of your time that's available. I'm starting to get very numbery, so sorry. (laughs) The point is, like, you can work even less. And, you know, you, you made more money. It's just in hours.
1: Well, and that's what you can do when you figure out how to package and or price your services, right? I mean, it's packaging it in a way that your audience sees it as valuable relative to the transformations you're creating for them. Right? And that, so so it's kind of like you're doing both. Like you're figuring out, all right, what's my number? How much time do I have? And if if you do that, and you're looking at the business you that you have, and you're not there yet, right? That's when you know you have to tighten up something, or provide more value, or maybe you're doing the value, but your authority just isn't high enough. People
0: aren't trusting you yet. Yes, right. Exactly. You can troubleshoot it because you now see what it how far you are from where you need to be to have this life. And there's so many places you can like threads you can pull on. You just named a whole bunch of them. You can also look at your lifestyle and say, Maybe I don't need that thing, right? I mean there's so Mm -hmm. many ways to play with it. And that's what I, I like. like a nice puzzle. So to me, I think that's why I gravitated (laughs) to this. It's just numbers and you can kind of move them around to make it work. But now you have control over it. Whereas before I kind of realized all of this, it was just like, how much can I charge? I need as many clients as I can. Like, how do I do this? Right? Like just, just always in scarcity because it was never enough.
1: Yeah. And I, I just love the story about taking off to Europe for a while and telling people, you know, you'll, you'll be available in a few months. That I mean, I want people to think about that. If you're not where you're at right now, think about that as not just the dream, but the achievable dream that you could get to. So Pia, now you've done that in your business. At what point did you say, I want to teach other people like me to do what we've
0: done? When did When did that happen? Yeah, well, I think it was partially sparked also by that Rich Dad Poor Dad book because it, it he talks about real estate, but it was really the idea of an income producing asset. And we went all around thinking about what this product was going to be. And then it kind of came back to the some sort of course. So I've done every sort of iteration of a course at this point. I made one so we could have it on the side. And of course it like took over <laughs> after years because it, I didn't realize until a good year into it that I had started a new business <laughs> with this course. <laughs> surprise! Um, yeah, surprise. I thought it was just, oh, this is just the, the lower tier of what we're selling because pe- for people who can't afford us, they can buy this course. Like That's not how it works. PSA to everyone. <laughs> that's not how it works at all. But That was the impetus. And then after I wrote my book, I mean, it's called Badass, Your Brand. It was supposed to be to get me clients from our our agency, and it did. And anyone who read my book and called me up interested in hiring us, hired us. Like, there was no sales process. If you read my book and you wanted to hire us, I didn't have to do anything for that, which was amazing. But the other thing that happened that was interesting that I was not expecting was how many small agencies, just like ours, read the book and said, okay, but how do you do that? (laughs) How do you do this intensive? Like, Because I don't cover it that much. I kind of breeze by it because that's not really what I was focusing on. And I got that message loud and clear in 2018 when I actually spoke at somebody else's conference in front of a bunch of agency owners. And a bunch of people were like, when are you going to teach that? And it took me almost two and a half years to realize... It was actually, you know, during COVID, it was about like nine months into COVID. It was like, what is the thing that I have that nobody else has? And it all kind of came together. And I mean, I I deleted 10,000 people off my list. (laughs) I like went all in on this brand and it was a big bet. I just realized, listen, there are enough people out there and I think this would really help them. And it's something that I, it's like in my bones, like I've done it. I feel you know, I, I know how to do this thing and I feel like nobody else has it. Not that nobody else has, of course, like productizing your services or selling strategy, but kind of just our whole model. I feel like I really made something and because I made it obviously pulling from lessons and books and I mean, tons of coaches and consultants, all the little pieces, but I felt like I made it myself. I didn't like mm-hmm. do it from someone else. So it, 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 Felt like something that I had to create (laughs) to teach other people. And it's been not just really fun to work with so many people, but it's been a really personal, satisfying journey having to explain all the details of this process. Because when you do something well, you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily conscious of all the things. But when you're teaching it, you have to really articulate what's going on and why and so then I've just learned all these other things that I didn't really realize about like human psychology and leadership and confidence and you know how to lead someone to a decision a meaningful decision that's going to benefit them in a graceful way but still boundaryed. like so many things I had to just I learned so much by that. I mean, I can't wait to someday write a book about that (laughs) part. But it's been really fun personally to just like learn all of these things and kind of develop new philosophies and theories on it. So, well, yeah, it's like you're translating your genius
1: because you, you do things you don't even think about because they're instinctive in how you deliver. Right. And then you have to figure out a way to explain that to somebody who doesn't have that particular innate genius. I mean, the translation is, is the piece, but I have to go back to what you said that you deleted 10,000 people off your mailing list. I felt like I heard a collective gasp to (laughs) anybody who was listening to this. And I just, I love that. I mean, that's staking a claim, right? To where you want to go to the revolution that you've created on this no BS agency model. I mean, you were all
0: in. I was all in. I I had a vision and I just felt like I cannot dip my toe in this. I need to go go big or go home. And this is something that I have uh, advised so many people on. And I just felt like this is not going to get where I want it to go as quickly. I'm ever the impatient entrepreneur. I want this to go. It's never fast enough, right? So it's Mm -hmm. definitely not going to go as fast as I want if I'm you know, uh, towing the line and the messaging is confusing and I'm not being super specific. Um, it's just going to take so much longer and it's going to be so much harder. And so, yeah, I had to make that decision. And it, it was scary, but it me- like very soon after when I, I off- made the offer and launched it, it, it was clear because every decision I made after that, messaging, emails, you know, all my posts and social media and all the things, it was so easy. Because it it was just so clear who I was talking to, and it was so clear what I was telling them, and I didn't have to mince words, and I didn't have to, you know, be worried about saying something so specific that I would turn somebody off. It was like, no, be specific. And I I immediately got the feedback, like, whoa, it's like you're reading my mind. Um, So, yeah, it was really powerful. Scary, but it was powerful. (laughs) Well, so
1: now are you still doing the other work or has your business really totally morphed into
0: this teaching coaching? Yeah, so I, I have taken a select group of clients over the years since I started this, uh, but it's not my focus and I don't market it anymore. So it's really mm-hmm. people who just have, you know, referrals that have come to me or, or once in a while somebody that reads our book. But I actually don't, I try not to do, I, I do like one or two a year, To stay fresh, (laughs) Um, but I but I generally don't want to because this community and this program, like I give it my all, and even like I just said, you know, all of this exploration of how all of this works and explaining it, I'm going through now already. It's it's only been three years. The second iteration of that, where now that I've made all these lessons, I actually brought a learning designer on to dissect Mm -hmm. the whole thing and cut it up and put it back together and refilm things so that it's even tighter and like even clearer, like the second round time around. So, you know, it's just a lot of, it's, there's always, there's always things to do to make it better. And, and that's gotta be my focus. I love the focus, though. I see it. I see it in
1: your website. I see it on your podcast, the names of the episodes, the way you describe it. It's very clear who your audience is and what your voice is. Thank you. So I love that. And if if anybody's looking for some of this information, you are going to want to listen to her podcast, among other things. So just one last question, Pia. If you could go back to who you were when you started your business, even though you weren't sure you were starting your business, (laughs) what's the one thing that you would advise her to do?
0: Oh man, I I wish I'd gotten a business coach immediately. I just I also ah. didn't even know if that was a I didn't know that was a thing then. I didn't know networking was a thing. I didn't know business coaches were a thing. <laughs> I was mean, really in the dark here. Absolutely, like I failed my way into so many things, and I, I could have gotten so much farther, so much faster. If I think back, I probably got my first business coach like maybe a year and a half, two years in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the seeds that were planted with those people are still, I still feel the repercussions of them today. So, you know, I could have saved myself some time if I had done it a lot earlier. And and frankly, if I had known, I don't know if I, I don't know if I, I mean, I must have encountered business coaches, but I, I don't know if it even occurred to me at the time.
1: Well, yeah. And a lot of people go, Oh, I don't know. I only have so much money to spend on things. Do I really want to spend it on a business coach? But sometimes it can be the
0: right expense. I will say it is not any business coach, (laughs) right? True, true, very true. Careful, and that's a challenge when you're first starting because it's hard. You don't know what you don't know, so you don't know how to be discerning about who you should work with. And maybe, actually, at the time, there really weren't, I don't think there were really online courses. I probably would have taken online courses, I would have been very self-study motivated because that's a very cost-effective way to do it. In fact, mm-hmm. my my little cousin yep. wanted to go into social media marketing and I just sent her all the social media marketing influencers on Instagram. I was like, go buy all their courses and just do everything they say as quickly as possible. You you need to just absorb <laughs> all of this information. Yep. So yeah, that's that would be my advice to my younger self. Love it. Love it. Well, we're going to be putting all sorts of
1: links to the content that we've talked about in the show notes, but where's the best place for people to learn more
0: about you and what you do? Probably the best place is Instagram. Um, I'm at Pia Loves Your Biz. That's B-I-Z because I truly do. Um, And uh, yeah, or nobsagencies.com. Awesome.
1: Pia, thank you so much, not just for your energy and enthusiasm about all this, but you know, telling us some of the story behind what looks so easy now, <laughs> Right. <laughs> but you know, you had your challenges getting there and I really appreciate your transparency about that. Oh, thank you so much,
0: Rochelle. It's been my pleasure.
1: Okay. So that's it for this episode. I hope you'll join us next time for as Women. Bye-bye.